This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm crazy grateful for all of you who subscribe, share, and leave reviews. If this is your first time, welcome to the Elevate community. Like our home church, Living Word, I and the Elevate leaders work as hard as we can to build an atmosphere of love to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. It would mean the world to us if you helped us get the word out by sharing this episode on social media. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate, visit us at iloveelevate.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for everything you do, which brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Um, Okay, so the last time I spoke to you, I spoke to you on Proverbs. And Proverbs, I told you that like it's one of my favorite books of the Bible and it's one of my favorite things that I get students Um, in my classes and different things to learn and to understand, because I think it's like this great way for us to learn characteristics and attributes that we're supposed to take to heart, and then we're supposed to give them to other people. And I adore Psalms the same exact way. So when I first got saved, um, I was already a young adult, and I knew absolutely nothing about God, Jesus, the Bible, I mean, nothing. When I say nothing, it's really, a, it's crazy to me how little I knew. Um, and But Psalms was one of the things that I could read and I could understand. And so I would go and read the book of Psalms because it was like really legitimately the only thing I could understand in the Bible. And so I encourage you, um, please go through the Psalms and don't feel like you have to like start at number one and end. Like, go through, jump around, pray like Psalms roulette. Like, you just open it up to Psalms and just pick one and start reading. But what you're going to find is that these psalmists, like, they were amazing. And they were amazing because they knew this awesome secret. And the secret is that God is a big boy. And he can handle all of our junk and our mess and our thoughts and our emotions and our feelings. And the psalmist knew that. And so in all these Psalms, you'll see as you're reading that like a lot of times you start reading them and you're like, whoa, these people were a little angry or they had some issues going on. But the way that I used to teach my kids and the way that I tell my students now is that um, I kind of like to think of it like as if you had like um, a covering over your head or like something like a curtain or, you know, something solid over your head. And I think that what happens is it's kind of like, It's a barrier sometimes. And God, he's more than willing to help us with our emotions and our fears and our thoughts. And when we're sad or when we're depressed or when we're jealous or we want him to go get somebody that just has wronged us, he's more than willing and able to do all those things. But sometimes I feel like God wants us to go and deliver it to him first and tell him, God, this is how I'm feeling. This is how I'm thinking And then he will now that your heart is open and ready to deal with those issues. Now he's going to not only act and do, but he's also going to know that your heart is open and willing and pliable and ready to be changed. Because when you read through a lot of these and you get to the end, you'll see that their hearts changed. And they started out maybe um, depressed or lonely or fearful. But by the end of almost every single psalm that I've ever read that I can think of, it changes. Their tone changes. Like if you're in English class and it's because when we voice how we feel to God, the Holy Spirit is now working and moving in a heart that's open. And so I just encourage you, 
please, 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 that's like my public service announcement, my plug for you to go dive into the book of Psalms. Anything that you experience, anything that you go through, you're going to find it in there. And so I encourage you to do that. Has nothing to do with my sermon. That was just like a little extra tidbit. But now i got to hurry because I'm on a timeline. i got 32 minutes left just to let y'all know. I am making it on time for e-groups tonight. Uh, it's my, I'm doing it. All right, so let's roll. All right, so my um, sermon tonight, I'm doing the Psalms of praise and thanks. So at first thought, you know, like we praise God, we just praise God, right? And I mean, there are so many times that I'm like, oh, thank you, God. But like, think about how many times you say that and it's like, do we really mean it? Like, are we really meaning thank you, God? Or is it just like a saying that now we're kind of used to saying? Or we might mean it, but like, are we truly putting some thought and some heart behind that? So a lot of times I think that whenever we say, like, or we talk about the the Psalms of thanks and praise, I think that we just kind of think that like it's a no-brainer. Well, of course I do that. That's easy. Like that's sim- that's a simple one. Why do we need a sermon on it? But I think whenever we peel back the surface and we go a little bit deeper, we'll see that it's either one, harder than we think it is, or two, we probably don't do it in the manner of which we should, or we don't do it enough. And I am definitely 100% guilty for sure. So I think that um, all the lessons that you're going to learn If I were a young person your age, I would have taken them all the way from the beginning of the psalm series to the end. I would really have taken them as nuggets to learn from, nuggets that will help you become spiritually mature, nuggets that you will be able to use all throughout your life. And so I'm hoping that that's kind of the same thing that's going to happen tonight. Um, So I want you to realize, too, that the psalms and learning about them I feel like they're going to make you a person who is more at peace. I feel like they're going to make you stronger in your faith. I feel like they are going to, um, hopefully, you'll um, you'll kind of instill these things in your heart. And then what happens is, what I feel like happens is, things that we think are things that we pray a lot, they seep into our hearts, right? So we think, we say things, we pray things, they, they dwell and they take root in our heart, and then where's the next step? We start to say them, right? And the things that we say, the things that we profess, that's how people know us, right? And so when I think of Psalms, um, and especially Psalms of prayers um, and thanksgiving and praise, I think of Miss Bessie. Anybody knows Miss Bessie at church, at our church? A lot of you know her. And she is like the epitome of giving praise and thankfulness. She is a light. She's just like a little angelic light of God given to us on earth. And part of it is because of her speech. Everything that she says out of her mouth, she is thanking God sincerely for something. Or she's praising him sincerely for something. And so it's what we're known for, what comes out of our mouth. And so tonight, one of the things I want you to think about is what is coming out of our mouth? Are we having a mouth of praise and thankfulness and gratefulness? Or what I kind of consider the opposite of that, are we having mouths of complaining and an ungrateful attitude? And so the first thing I have for you is kind of like the definition of praise. I'm going to like get to the side. Does that bother anybody? I'm used to teaching like that, like from my classroom, like to a side so I can like see it as well. 
All right, not that I'm ignoring anybody over there, but I'm just going to like project to you. All right, so praise. When I kind of looked it up in the dictionary, I, at first I was like, mm, that's a little weird. But then I really, after I started thinking about it a little bit more, I really like it. So it says to express warm approval and like warm, like think of like those warm, fuzzy feelings like that. Like you, you approve of something or admiration. And so when you think of it, praise, we're praising our God. We want to be warm and fuzzy with God. Like that's something that he wants us to do. He wants us to have this intimate, warm, fuzzy relationship with him. And the psalmist did. Because if you're not warm and fuzzy with somebody, then you're not going to share all your emotions with them. But that's what they did. That's what their souls cried out for. And so I want you to think of like your daily routines. Like how many times throughout a day do you really admire your heavenly father? Like that's a hard one. That's a hard one for me. Um, Maybe it's when you wake up in the morning, you might thank him for giving you another day, for giving you breath in your lungs. Maybe it's before you go to eat. Maybe we're just really quickly telling them, God, thank you so much that I'm not living in a third world country and literally starving. Thank you for this food. Or maybe it's at the end of the day. Or maybe it's after something really great happened in your life. But even when we're thanking him like that, are we really admiring our creator, our God, our heavenly father? Um, Or is it never? Do we never admire him? Do we never have those warm, fuzzy feelings toward him or give them to him? Because we should. That's what we're called to do. And that's why I'm going to keep encouraging you to read through the book of Psalms. It helps us learn how to do that. Um, But the psalmist, it was embedded in their hearts. It was literally in their souls. There was nothing that they could do other than than to give him praises and to give him thanks and to be grateful. And so there's a lot for us to learn and to pattern our life after from the psalmist. And that's why it's in here. Remember, we're pattering, pattern, pattern, we're fashioning our life from the book, right? And so this is one of those areas that we can do that. Um, When I thought of, went back to the definition, they really did approve or admire God. And for the part that he played in their life, the good and the bad. It wasn't just the good. And if you're gonna, when you read through Psalms, you're going to find out they thanked him a lot of times for the difficult things that they went through. Or they thanked him ahead of a situation when they didn't know how the situation was going to turn out. And I kind of want you to kind of think through all of this is that would you ever really want to tell the creator of life that you disapprove of him? or that you disapprove of his plans, or that you disapprove or you're not okay with the way that a situation turns out when you wanted it to turn out a different way? Because I know I'm definitely not one that's going to want to go and tell God the creator, dude, you really screwed that up. Because like this is the way it went in my plan, right? But when we complain, it's kind of like we're telling him that we really are not quite approving of his way, his plan, or maybe just that it wasn't even his plan. Like not all things that happen to us are God's plan, right? Sometimes things that, you know, Satan can control, that kind of affects us. But if we're complaining, then we could think about it as we're telling God that we don't agree or we don't trust him enough 
to walk us through that. And that's not really okay either. So, of course, that made me think back to the Israelites. You know, the Israelites were these this nation in the Old Testament. And um, after Adam and Eve kind of screwed up everything in the garden, the nation of Israel, that was God's chosen people. That's the way he was bringing redemption. But the problem is, he, sa- and like, he, he did amazing things for them. He saved them from captivity, from slavery. And then no longer, he, he brought them out, like right through the Red Sea. He brings them out, and right after, they start complaining. And they start disagreeing and disapproving of what, they, what his ways were. Instead of maybe seeing the larger picture. And so that's what I want to encourage you tonight. Make sure in little things and in big things, in everything that you go through, you're looking at the bigger picture. Or you are remembering that God sees a big picture. We see this little bitty finite spotlight on our life. One moment in time is what we are seeing But God sees the beginning to the end. He sees it all, everything. And so although the situations may not work out and always be pleasant and always be fun to walk through, see what the Israelites couldn't do and what they didn't do is that they did not trust their God enough, even though he had done amazing and wondrous things, they did not trust him enough to believe that although this spotlight of time does not look real good, they didn't trust him enough to know that he was bringing them through some of these funky things and bringing them to a land that was amazing and wonderful and a place where they were going to be blessed forever. And so you have to remember that same exact thing. Don't be an Israelite. Don't be somebody who's going to take something that happens in in one small segment of your day or your week or your month or your life and complain and disapprove of God when really we just have to have trust and hope and faith that he will get us through this rough patch to the other side because God's ways for you are always good and they're always loving and he cares for you more than any physical person on this earth ever could. He will never leave you, never forsake you, and he's never ever going to make you walk through something that either we can't handle or we're not going to learn from. And so remember that. Don't be an Israelite. So let's look at what this means when we truly love God and when we truly have his heart for us. So I have three quick things, maybe. All right, well, the first one is um, when we truly love God and when we have the heart of a psalmist, because that's what we want. We want the heart of a psalmist. The first one is we admire God for who he is. That's number one. We admire God for who he is. And that is God Almighty. He's the creator of the earth, right? He's the most selfless entity and being that there ever could be. He's far more vast than we could ever wrap our minds around. He allowed his son to be beaten, to be tortured, to die, to take on the sins of the world for us. That's selfless love. It's love that we could never even experience. He's powerful. He's a God of grace, a God of mercy. He's all of those things. And because of that, we owe him our praise. We owe him forever to say, God, 
You are amazing. You are awesome. You are great because you always love me. I keep screwing things up, but you still love me. I keep going backwards and not forwards, but you still love me. You are the God of my salvation. He has set a place in heaven for you. And for that, we owe him more praise than we could ever even speak. And so let's look at Psalms 100. I'm going to go to that one first. And um, I had one picked out at the end, but I know I'll run out of time. Probably need to speed it up. 742. All right, here we go. Speed reading. I can't even turn the pages. So Psalms 100, Um, I'm going to encourage you as you're reading through the Psalms, don't forget, I'm a big proponent, write in, uh, this is not really my Bible, I left mine at home, this is one from school, Um, I didn't steal it in my classroom, all right, write in your Bibles, write, write, write inside of your Bibles, it needs to be your story, your Bible, write in it, it should not be clean, it should be marked up, it should be highlighted, it should be written in. God wants you to do that. It's okay. All right. So let's look at Psalms 100. I'm on the wrong one. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to quickly read it, and I'm going to read it in a way that you should write in yours. So that way, everything that they prayed becomes your prayer to God. If you're not really good at praying, or if you think that you're not good, or if you think that you don't know how to sing praise to God. So it says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pastor. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and courts with praise. Give him thanks to him. Praise his name, for the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And so in my Bible that I was supposed to bring, mine is marked up. And mine is something like this. I don't know exactly because I don't have it, but it's probably something like this. God, I shout for joy to you through all the earth, wherever I go. I worship you with gladness. I come before you with joyful songs. I know that you are God. I know that you made us and I am yours. I am your people. I am a sheep in your pasture. I will enter your gates with thanksgiving. I will enter your courts with praise. I will give thanks to you and I will praise your name for you are good and your love endures for me forever. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. And so I encourage you, read and write the heck out of Psalms because you need to make them your own. Go find the ones where they're scared and they're worried and they're thinking that all their enemies and that everybody on the face of the earth hates them because those are in there too. And then go pray that when you feel like everybody on earth is against you or when you're thinking that that somebody that you really loved betrayed you, go find them in there and make them your own and pray them. All right, so we're going to move on. So number two, number two is we admire God for his nature. God is, like I said, he's selfless love. I just wrote a big list. He's selfless love. He's gentle. He's righteous. He's full of grace and mercy. He's our judge. He's holy. He's all wise. He's completely faithful to us. Like I said, we stray. We have disbelief. 
we sometimes disapprove of his ways. We constantly complain about things that he's given us or things that he does for us, or we just complain about anything anyway. It's really easy for us to fall into a complaining spirit, but he wants to have relationship with you. And because of that, we should give him praise for his nature. His nature, think about it, is unlike anybody else's that you know. There is no one on the face of this earth, not even Miss Bessie, that is 100% what God is. And so because of that, we owe him our praise. So let's backtrack and go to Psalms 34, because we're not reading them in order, right? We're just reading them and jumping all over, because that's a great method to do. At least I think it's a great method. All right, 34, 1 through 14. Extol means praise, so I'm going to say an easier word. I will praise the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. If his praise are on our lips, then we can't have evil things on our lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted, or you could say let the hurt, or you could say, when I am hurting, hear me, and I will rejoice. I will glorify the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. And so turn that around and make it personal. God, I will seek you and I need you to answer me. Please deliver me from all my fears. See, it's really easy to make these your prayer. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And when I make this one personal, it makes me cry. So I read it three times in my classroom so I wouldn't cry here. To make it personal, you should say... When I look to you, I am radiant. My face is never covered with shame. Like, that's just beautiful. The Psalms are beautiful. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you holy holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord, they lack no good thing. Come, my children, and listen to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, and then let's make this personal. God, I, I, I need you to help me to keep my tongue from evil and keep my lips from telling lies. Help me to turn from evil and to do good and to seek peace and to pursue it. Um. And our next one, number three, is we admire God for his creation. I love this one. This one blesses me. Um, so you can start the pictures on this one. So his creation, his sunrises, his sunsets, um, humans. I, I taught science forever, and my favorite thing to teach is biology, anatomy, and physiology, because you cannot study the human body without studying the intricacy of God and the way that he created us and made us, animals, creatures. My favorite thing is to be in the water, in the Gulf of Mexico, in the clear parts, looking and just inspecting and studying the sea life. One time we went, there was this beautiful, beautiful water, and we would dive and we'd pick up a hand of sand, and it was little bitty, teeny tiny baby sand dollars, smaller than my fingernail. And we had hit like a spawning ground of them. It's amazing. But have you ever thought what it would be like if God made all the world to look like the desert? Or like just brown? Or black? 
what if everything was like black and there was no colorful flowers and no sunsets? Or what if the sunset was just like one color all the time? You would never marvel at it and gaze at it. And that's one of those things that you should do, right? Um, I'm, I'm not going to read Psalms 19, but Psalms 19, it's just the Psalms where the, the psalmist is telling God how great his creation is. And it's talking about how marvelous the universe is and the way that God put the sun and that there's nothing that lacks the warmth from it because that's amazing. But what I thought about was like, if you read that Psalms, it's Psalms 19, if you kind of read one through six, like we probably don't speak as poetically as the psalmist, right? That's not something we're really great at doing. And I didn't write a Psalms and I can't write a Psalms, but I do know that God loves when we rejoice in his creations. And so each one of the pictures, that's the Alps, by the way, each one of the pictures you saw, at first I was going to get pictures off the internet and then I was like, I'm not doing that. But these are all pictures that I've taken or somebody in my family is, I think, well, that one Michael took and all the other ones I took just on my cell phone. That's it. But these are things that each one of them, when I have seen them, I have, stay on that one because y'all probably saw all the other ones. I praised God for that. So this is really simplistic, right? What is it? It's a plant. It's an oleander. What's on it? Water. It's the morning dew. And so this was from this week. I keep tripping over that. It's from this week. So when I walked out my house on Monday, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, and it's right on the side of my porch, this oleander was out there. And the whole thing was covered with these little um, bubbles of dew. And I just thought it was the most beautiful thing. So simplistic, but it was just so beautiful. And I was running late. But I really did just stop and thank God for it because it just made me have a, like a cheery morning. Like, I don't know, I was rushed and I was late and I was trying to hurry. But that made me stop for a second and think, God, like, that's amazing. Like, that's amazingly beautiful. Um, and then I don't even remember what the other ones were that I put in there. But the, the sunrise, holy cow, that's beautiful, right? That's from El Salvador. And that, until the day I die, unless I get, like, Alzheimer's, that will forever be etched in my memory. And the one in Africa, like that sunset, forever. And there's so many times where I see things like that, and I just thank God for its beauty. Thank God for the creations that you see, big and small and any other kind of creation that you see. He created them for you to enjoy. That's why they're here. It's for you to enjoy, for us to take pleasure in his handiwork and his amazingness. So do it and give him thanks for it. And you don't have to write a psalm and be all poetic. It's just a matter of like to do. God, thank you so much. Like that really made my morning. And every morning since they've been out, it's been out there. Um, all right, so I'm gonna move on. Oh, gosh. All right, we're going to do this. We're going to do it. All right, so the next section is my Psalms of Thanks, okay? This is the one where I kind of want to sit for a moment, and that gets a little heavy. So um, I, I was preaching this even when we thought we were doing camp. And so from that time, I had been, like, just kind of reading Psalms, stopping, praying, going to read other things, writing a couple of things, and going back. It's kind of the way I do it. But one of the things I read one day, and it had nothing to do with the sermon, I, I thought. I was just reading in this section of the Bible, and it was from Thessalonians. And it's one, um, one, First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It's real simplistic, and it's basically Paul, and he's writing to this group of people, and he's writing a letter. And the letter really is three purposes but one part in it 
is one purpose is for because it was a young church it was for them to teach them how to become more spiritually mature and I thought how appropriate because we kind of all need to learn how to be spiritually mature but that's a great spot for you guys to sit in so if you ever have free time go read first Thessalonians but there's one part that I'm going to pull out of it And so it's 16, 17, and 18. It's real short, just a little tidbit. And it says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And it's real simplistic. There's not much to it. But when I read it that day, it really stuck out to me because I remember Dom's three points for this, which were that thankfulness is being grateful And it's being grateful for three things. What God has done, thanks for an outcome before we see it. So it's thanks before an outcome. And then the third one is counting our blessings. And I thought, you know, they match up perfectly. And so that's the way I'm going to talk to you about them. So the first one, you can go to number one. It's it's his little section and the first part of Thessalonians. So it's thanks for what God has done. And the part from Thessalonians says, rejoice always. But if you think about it, if we're thanking God for what he has done, then we should be really legitimately rejoicing always, right? Because rejoicing has this imperative being happy and it's joyful, right? But it's an indicator of our heart. Is our heart joyful? Are we rejoicing always? Because if it's for giving thanks for what God has done, who? He's done a whole lot in your life. And even if you think that your life is really ratty, he has still done a whole lot in your life. He's done a whole lot in all of our lives. Just the fact that we have salvation through Christ and that we have eternity in heaven, just that alone, we could rejoice eternally and forever just in that note, right? Um, So one of the things I thought of was, For the psalmist, like I said, it was this natural outpouring of who they were to constantly rejoice and to constantly be praising God. But like I said, one of the things I want you to be wary of is the flip side of that, which is disapproving of what God is going, um, what, what he's doing in your life. And so I thought things that we could be thankful for and rejoice We could give God glory and rejoice all day long for our salvation, for our lives, for the lives that we have around us, for our lighthouse, for Dom, for Jackie, for your e-group leaders, for siblings, for parents, grandparents, people who pray for you, the clothes that you wear, the fact that you have more than one shirt to wear, the fact that you own shoes. Because when you travel around the world, you see tons and tons and tons of people that don't have basic necessities. And for those reasons alone... Every one of us should rejoice constantly. It should always be a thought in your head. And so I just want to encourage you, grow and mature spiritually to where you are counteracting thoughts of complaints with thoughts of rejoicing. We can rejoice in any situation. And we're going to come back to the third one in a minute. So let's look at number two. This is the hard one. So the second one is giving thanks before an outcome. And that one I tied with, I just think it's cool the way they tie together. At least I tied them together. They might not make sense to you, but they made sense in my head. So um, giving thanks before an outcome. So if it's before an outcome, do you know what's going to happen? No. 
because it hasn't happened yet, right? It's before the outcome. So we don't know if the outcome is going to be good or bad. We have no idea. But this is telling us that we are to give thanks before the outcome. And the psalmist did it constantly. And so I think that a lot of us do it, and it sounds something like this. And I'm sure I do this too. I'm positive I do it. Not I'm sure. I do do this also. I do do. (laughs) I don't do do. (laughs) Just joking. Okay. I do do do. (laughs) Ah, Sorry to all the parents who probably, I forgot. Okay. Yeah. That's something I would say in class, not to a bunch of parents. Sorry about that. All right. So anyway, back on track. So maybe sometimes it sounds something like this. Dear God, I am applying for this job and I really, really need to get this job. Or, dear God, I'm trying out for this team, or I'm about to ask this really cute girl out, and I really, really want this job, or want this to make this team, or I want to date this girl, so could you please, please, please let it happen? But if not, I'm okay, but please, I really want it to happen, right? Look, we do that. We all do that, right? But that's not what this is talking about. Because that's implying that we are really pushing and prodding him and putting the peer pressure on him to do what we want. See, the psalmist didn't do that. The psalmist really gave thanks for outcomes before they knew what they were. And so I think that there's like two different situations where this could play out. I think that there's life situations that we go through. And I think some of those life situations are not that hard. They're not that difficult. So we can pray that prayer, and it's okay if it doesn't work out the way that we want it. Because we'll find another girl, or we can apply to another job. It's things that are not rocking our world. And so we can kind of pray that prayer of God, whatever way it turns out, I'm really good with that. And that's cool. But what happens when... He does something, like he gets the job or whatever. You're blessed. He, he blesses the prayer request. Do we remember to go back and give him thanks? How many times do we not? I know I do it. We all do it. And that's one of those things that I just want to challenge you. Go back to your prayer request and thank him for when it happens the way that you want it and even when it doesn't. Go back. And that's hard. It's, it's being spiritually mature. But... What happens when it doesn't happen the way that we want? And we don't get blessed with that prayer request. Are we only looking in that little spotlight or are we looking at the big picture? Are we looking at the spotlight and saying, God, I cannot believe you did not do this for me. I can't believe I'm walking through this now. Instead of having trust. Because you see, what happens is a lot of us are dealing with difficult situations. We're praying for our parents to not get that divorce. We're praying for the parent or the sibling or the loved one to to break that addiction in their life. Or we're praying for that loved one to live. But you see, this tells us to have thanks before an outcome. And that's really hard. Because to do it, you do have to pray continually. There's no way that you can pray for an outcome and be thankful for it on the, the front side of it when it's dealing with cancer or divorce or addictions or life and death unless you pray continually. And that's why I think that those two are so well tied together. And so I'm going to give you an example. Um, I'm going to pull from Matthew 26. Oh, wait. 
sorry, go to the part that says don't complain for any small disappointments. This is your training, okay? So this is how you learn to accept outcomes. And this is how you're going to learn to be thankful for any outcome, no matter what it is. During life, daily, don't complain for any small disappointments that you encounter. None. Nothing. Not any. Because every single small disappointment, that's an opportunity for us to grow. And it's an opportunity for us to give God thanks in something that is a funky situation. Right? Because something funky happens to you, you don't like it, and our immediate response is to either say a complaint or think a response. Uh, Think a complaint. We all do it. But if we start stopping ourselves from doing that, and we start figuring out a way to give God a praise through it, what's going to happen is you're training yourself in everyday little bitty situations, little bitty things, little bitty things, and then when it comes to the big issue of life and death or divorce or addiction or whatever it is, you're going to know and trust him enough to know that he will carry you through it. He will walk you through it. He will see you to the other side of it. He's going to hold you through it. So let's go to Jesus and look to see what he did real fast. Matthew 26, 36 to 46 says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. He was Um, He was grieved and distressed because he's about to be led to the cross. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. You see, he knew he was about to be tortured. He was about to be beaten beyond recognition. He was about to take on every sin of every human that has ever lived. And the worst one, I'm sure, for him is that he was about to face complete and total separation from the almighty God, our creator. He said, remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me yet not. And so that's him saying, okay, God, I I don't, well, you know, he knew the outcome, but he's saying, if it's possible, take this from me. And if there's a way for me not to go through this really difficult thing more than we could ever imagine, then, you know, I'll sign up for that. But. Not as I will, but as you will. And so it was Jesus being the example for us to go back and see nothing we go through is that hard. But he said, not as my will, as your will. So if I have to endure this, so be it. Um, And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and Peter and said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour, keeping watch and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I thought that that to me, um, where he says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I feel like that was Jesus giving us a small glimpse of he knows our humanness. He knows our weaknesses, and he also knows how hard it is to go through something that is difficult. He knows how hard it is to go through something that we're going to be in pain and sorrow over because he himself experienced it. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and he left them again, and he went away and prayed a third time, saying, The same thing once more. And then he came to the disciples and he said to them, listen to this. He says, are you sleeping and resting? 
Behold, the hour is at hand. So now he knows, like, like it's time. We're doing this. We are doing this. This is the outcome. The outcome is I am about to go be betrayed, be beaten, and be hung on a cross and crucified so that we could have that relationship. And so he says, the hour the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. And he says, get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand, exclamation point. So like, he's ready. It's on. He's doing it. Yeah, it's hard and it's difficult, but he prayed. He was in the garden praying. He was sweating blood. He was preparing himself for what? his outcome. And so that's our example. Um, And I just thought of two really quick things in my life, just to give you an example. Two that were were big for us. One was um, where I prayed. I didn't know the outcome. I was pregnant. I'm sure I shared this with you before. I was pregnant halfway through, almost halfway through a pregnancy. And it wasn't the, the best pregnancy wasn't going go, wasn't going great, but I sure didn't think it was going terrible. I go to a doctor by myself, um, go in, and I knew that it was going to be sketchy. But before I ever got out of my car in the parking lot, I can probably tell you the exact spot I was parked in. I prayed, God, no matter what, I will follow you. I will let you lead me through this, and whatever happens, happens. Whatever the outcome is, I will praise you. And that was my exact prayer. I will praise you. And every person that sees me walk through this, I will point them to you. And that was it. I walked in, and I found out that our baby had died. I walked back out, got in my car, cried for about 30 minutes, and then I prayed. Okay, so this didn't turn out the way I wanted, but I will praise you through it. And every person who watches me walk through it, I will point them to you. And that's what we did. That is what we did. People got saved through that experience. I would have much rather have the fourth child, but that's not the way it turned out. But I prayed before, and I trusted that he would carry me through. And he did. He is faithful. He is faithful. But what those hard things are, we're not always going to get the good result. But sometimes we will. But it's really hard to pray through it, and that's where you have to pray continually. And the second one was just this past Easter. Um, you, I think most of you know our son was dealing with a life-and-death situation. And we got a phone call on Easter, and it was telling us that he may die. He was bleeding to death, basically. And so um, I was like, okay, um, hung up the phone, and... Um, my first reaction was, I actually didn't cry, and I don't know why, how, why, but I didn't. But I grabbed our Bose speaker, I grabbed my cell phone, and I took off to Terrebonne General's parking lot. And it was hot as heck, probably about 11.30. And I sat in their parking lot, nobody was there, and um, I blared worship music as loud as my speakers would play it. And I worshiped, and I prayed. But that was a hard prayer. Because I prayed the same thing that I prayed for my baby. Okay? He's yours. He loves you. He praises you. But he's yours. And if he is too far and we're not walking out of this situation with a son, 
so be it. We will praise you. And every person who watches us walk through it will see you. But we prayed. And I also prayed if we walk through this and we walk out of here with the sun, and then we're going to praise you for it. And we did. It was a good while before we found out. And the rest of my family joined me at the hospital parking lot. And we sat out there and baked in the sun and just worshipped and prayed and worshipped and prayed until we got the phone call that he had made it through the surgery and he was alive. And that one turned out like we wanted. But I can assure you 100%, had it not, I'd probably be here tonight. And I would probably be preaching the same thing and telling you that through a death, we would still be praising our God because he is that good. He's that trusting that on the flip side of anything that you go through, he carries you and he walks you through it. And everything that you go through, you're going to learn from and you're going to turn it into a ministry opportunity and you're going to turn it into a way to touch somebody who's going through the same exact thing. And that's why you're thanking him before the outcome. Because whether it's good or bad, you're pointing people to him when you give him praise. When we complain, we don't point anybody toward him. We don't. And so the last one is counting our blessings. It's simplistic. It's so easy. Count your blessings. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In every circumstance, it's so easy for us to forget that we are to give God our thanks and our praise, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's whether we don't know the outcome, whether we do know the outcome, it does not matter. Be spiritually mature at 12, at 13, at 17, at 18, at 50. It doesn't matter. Being spiritually mature is looking at a situation, no matter how small or how big, and not seeing that spotlight. Knowing that God has a bigger picture, and the bigger picture is always us giving him praise because he is our God Almighty. He is the author of our salvation, and he is amazing. Our life circumstances always point people to him or should always point people to him. And so give him thanks in everything. For you, the little things in your life, AC, give him thanks for AC. It's glorious. Go a week in a third world country in the middle of summer without it. You will come home thanking God for every time your AC turns on. I promise. Give him thanks for everything, big and small. And so I have three challenges for you tonight. The third one's not on there because I forgot to send it to him. So the first one is I want you to make a sticky note, an index card to put on your mirror or your dresser, like tomorrow morning, like set a reminder on your phone. Do this tomorrow morning. And every day I want you to get up and I want you to thank God for three things before you start your day. Every day. Three things. Thank him for three things. Okay, our challenge number two is every time you start to complain, change it and thank God for something that is associated with that, um, that situation. So like if you get a flat tire, that's great. You get a flat tire, big deal. So you get a flat tire, so you start thanking God, well, at least it's not raining and I got a flat tire, right? Isn't that a positive spin on that? That's the way I try to think now. And then if it is raining... It could be worse because then you could thank God that it's not freezing cold in the rain with a flat tire. You got, you can get up one for, you just got to be creative. You just got to be creative. I learned that through missions. And then the third one, which isn't on there is 
Oh, the last one is I challenge you to go read four random psalms before next Wednesday and make it your own right in your Bibles and make it your own. So read four psalms. And then the last thing, and then we're going to e-groups because we have time. We can do them. We can fit them in. The last thing is, this is from Dom. So Dom sent me this question. He said that he loves it, and I love this. It's so powerful. So I want you to think about this. Write it down because it's very good from Dom. If you had tomorrow only what you thanked God for today, what would you have? So if you thanked God, if you only had tomorrow, sorry, what you thanked God for today, what would you have? Like, think about that. So what would we be left with tomorrow if we had only the things that we told him thank you for today? Sincerely. That's a big one to me. All right, guys. So I'm going to close this out in prayer real fast, and then we're going to go to e-groups. Father God, we thank you so much. God, we thank you that you are the God of our little spotlight in our life, but we thank you that you are the God of the big picture. You are a God who is worthy of our praise and worthy of our thanks. And God, you are glorious in everything that you do for us, whether it's big, whether it's small. You are the God of every outcome we're ever going to face, and we pray that we face everything with hearts of gratefulness, hearts of praise, and hearts of thankfulness, and that never are we allowed to think and to, and to speak tons of complaining anymore. God, help us to fall in love with the book of Psalms and to love to praise you and glorify you in everything that we do. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Episodes are recorded every Wednesday at Elevate Student Ministry. All students, 7th through 12th grades, are welcome.